Why, hello there, nerds. I'm Ash. And I'm Nat. And you're listening to Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast. Welcome, nerdlings. This week's episode is a painful one, as it focuses on someone who should be hailed as a hero for doing the right thing, and yet he ended up paying for his kindness and humanity with his life. Tonight, we're talking about William Lewis Moore, a civil rights activist who was murdered in 1963, and his case remains, quote, unsolved to this day. I, this one's a hard one for me. I promise to try really, really hard to rein it in, but it is very hard not to get angry with with cases like this. I'm someone who's dealt with forms of racism growing up, so I I personally I just have a really hard time time with these types of cases and and I just I just want to say that the victim we're speaking about tonight was honest honestly a true ally and we should all want to be more like William Lewis Moore. We should all want to be like him. If you're passionate about something, you know, upholding that it's better to care and care deeply, especially nowadays, than it is to pretend that there isn't an issue and hide our heads in the sand. Just my opinion, my two cents for what it's worth, but I think it's something we need to talk more about. Yeah, we definitely do. And it's something that is everywhere, even when you don't realize it. Like Band-Aids, for example. In the past, they've been marketed as flesh-colored, except that flesh tone is one of someone who has fair skin, and it doesn't account for all of the other skin tones in the world. And I actually didn't know about this. It didn't even cross my mind growing up as a white female. And yeah, I didn't even notice this was a problem until I got to college and took a communications class. And we talked about this in class. We talked about all the the wrong things in the world. Um, yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's right in front of our eyes and we have no idea about it. And speaking of of class in college or in high school, I have never heard of this man ever. Nope. This is the first I've, time. I've always been really, really interested by the civil rights movement and the historical aspects of that. And I wasn't familiar with William Lewis Moore. And I was really surprised by that too. And then after you and I were doing the research for this case, I, I just was like, Everyone should should know who this man was. This man was a lovely human who really, really tried to do the right thing. And back in 1963, that was not a common, it wasn't a common feat. So uh, we wanted to really, really talk to all of you about William Lewis Moore and share his legacy with folks so that his name maybe gets added to those history books and other people hear about him. You know, this may not be an episode for for everybody. You know, you may disagree with with this. I I hope you don't. But and, and if that's the case, come back for a different one. But this one, we are going to talk heavily about racism. So, yep. And with that, nerdlings, it's time to leave the light and grab those flashlights as we take a long walk back in time to the spring of 1963, when William Lewis Moore lost his life after standing up for the lives of many others. So like we mentioned earlier, the world was a very different place back in the 60s. And although it may seem similar right now, as we're seeing a lot of the same protests for the same simple rights that we saw back then, people were and still are judged or even attacked for the color of their skin, for their religion, for their sexual orientation, 
and even their gender identity. And unfortunately, it still happens today. People are killed each and every day for not being part of a majority and instead being a minority. We've seen racism run rampant in situations with recent cases such as George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor. We've seen situations where Asian Americans were attacked and accused of bringing in the coronavirus. We've seen Arabs told that they are terrorist, detained, and separated from their families because their faith is considered extreme and it doesn't meet the conventions of Western religion. We've seen Latin Americans treated like they don't belong here or like they are a strain on our society when in fact this land belonged to the indigenous cultures of the past that they in fact descend from. So in essence, it sometimes feels like not much has changed since in 1963 when segregation and racism run rampant and you might find yourself attacked merely for being a person of color. So with that in mind, we're slipping into 1963, Baltimore, Maryland, as we observe a group of African-American boys standing in a movie theater line. It's a simple thing, really. Just standing in line at a movie theater with your friends shouldn't be an issue, right? Except in 1963, it was an issue. It was an issue if you were a person of color and you dared to be standing in the whites-only line at a movie theater. This situation actually occurred to William Lewis Moore. He was a white young postal worker who was standing in line with a group of African-American young men. And they were standing in the whites-only line to get into the movie theater, an act they all knew would end with at least a few nights in the jail cell. Police soon intervened as standing in the whites-only line during this broken time in American history would in fact land you in jail. As expected, police began arresting them for trespassing. As the police were arresting the teenagers, they were shocked to see a white man standing in line among the group of African-American teenagers. The police went on to ask William if he understood just what standing in line with a group of young men meant. They wanted him to understand that he too would be arrested. William informed the police officers that he was well aware of what it meant, and he further stated that if they couldn't see the movie because of the color of their skin, then he didn't want to see the movie either. So William Lewis Moore, a white 36-year-old man from Binghamton, New York, was arrested and spent that night in a jail cell. That act was one of conviction. William knew that his actions would have consequences in a world that only saw black and white. He knew that he would face time in jail for his act of insubordination against a society that didn't believe in racial equality. And yet William Lewis Moore chose to do the right thing instead of the thing that was convenient. I think it's unfortunate that most people will probably not know William's name or the you know other gentlemen who stood up against this oppression that was happening at that time you know William was one of several people standing up there were the freedom riders of the 1960s people were being murdered for doing the right thing it was an awful time in our, in american history and you know we can all hide a, hide away from that truth but the simple truth is is that a lot of innocent humans were murdered purely for the color of their skin. And that happened for hundreds, hundreds of years. Yeah. And this is a huge reason. I know I've said this before, but nerdlings, this is a big, big reason why we do this podcast. We are so yeah. passionate about this. And once we saw this case, we knew we had to do it. 
Yeah. We figured if the two of us hadn't known who William's name, then other people probably didn't. I don't know. I think it's important that we talk about people like William, the the people who stood up and, and said, we need to stop this. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And with that, William is pretty much, like we said, one of those people that we should all strive to be. He understood that he had a, a privilege. William knew that he had privilege with his being white. And he understood that that privilege that 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 he had, most people of color did not and still do not have that privilege to this day. And William got that in 1963. He understood that he could leverage his his privilege to help others. What he did was he quietly stood by in solidarity with those who had had to suffer at the hands of a society that didn't want to change and just support equality for all humans. William Lewis Moore, he wasn't someone who was famous. He was just a man who happened to be born in Binghamton, New York, and that's where he spent his childhood partially. He also grew up in a small town in Mississippi for some of his youth. William went to school at John Hopkins University, which that's a pretty prestigious school. But unfortunately, while he was away at school, William suffered from a mental breakdown that earned him the label of schizophrenic. Remember, this is the 1960s. So not only do we have racial inequality going on, but mental health was completely treated differently than it is today. It was often treated with these cruel medieval practices, and it wasn't given the compassion and empathy that we all know is needed in order to help folks cope and adapt with their illness. Now we understand that this is an illness. Most folks with mental health disorders were treated with disgust rather than given any true kindness or, or simple human empathy. So William was in a mental institution for a year and a half because of his schizophrenic diagnosis. When he was finally released from the institution, he found himself moving into advocacy for mental health awareness for the mentally ill. Like I said, he was an activist in all essence of the word. He found his calling in standing up for those without a voice. He wasn't afraid to draw attention to the aspects of society that folks would find unpleasant. He said what needed to be said and stood for his beliefs and his hopes and his goals, which were that one day everyone would be treated as equals. William was known as someone who would stand up for his beliefs. No one from his hometown was surprised at all. He was known as someone who wouldn't stand by, but instead would stand up. While living in Baltimore, William worked as a substitute mail carrier, and on his spare time, he wrote and demonstrated on behalf of his personal beliefs in mental awareness and racial equality. He acted with conviction and passion, and he wanted the world to do better and be better, which I love that because I feel like that all the time. We, we need to do better. We just need to do better. And William Moore believed that each individual person could create change by upholding their moral beliefs and striving towards these goals. In order to prove his point that each individual could be an instrument in change, William set about walking to protest segregation that was currently occurring in the world around him. As a postman, he knew the importance of walking each and every day to complete a task, and so he utilized this as a way to share his message across the states. William started to advocate for the African-American community. This was a big feat for, for the time, as William met resistance from many people who supported segregation 
and didn't support racial equality. So William ended up joining the Congress of Racial Equality, which was an organization that was established in 1942 by James Farmer. The organization focused on ways to end racial division and discriminatory practices via direct action in nonviolent ways. They utilized their First Amendment rights to peacefully assemble in order to try to change the world for the better. William Moore began to write letters that advocated for integration, not segregation. And he wrote those letters to state legislatures in order to try to enact real positive changes for people. William Moore then would take these letters and he did what every postman does. He delivered the mail in person. He took those letters he had written about racial injustices during three civil rights protests right to the state capitol. His first march was in Annapolis, Maryland, where he hand-delivered his letter to the state capitol building. His second was delivered to the White House. And for his last, he was going to deliver the letter to the governor of Mississippi at that time, Ross Barnett. And that letter was going to be pleading with the local governments to try and stop the practice of segregation. In a letter that William Moore hand-delivered to the White House, he specifically addressed President John F. Kennedy in order to let him know that he, William Moore, planned to walk to Mississippi in order to fight for equality. He also directly stated that, quote, If I may deliver any letters from you to those on my line of travel, I would be most happy to do so, unquote. Which is amazing that he did the one thing that he knew how to do, deliver letters. Uh, I know, I love that. Yep, he was truly a postman to his very core. He shows you can take one simple thing, the thing you know best, do your job, and you can take that and you can use it to do so much good in this world. Yeah, and I, I just specifically like how he also said that, hey, JFK, you got any letters you want me to deliver? I'll deliver yeah. them for you. <laughs> I loved that too, where he's like, hey, just so you know, I'm bringing you this letter, which is me wanting to address the concepts of, of segregation and inequality for all. But in the meantime, I'll take this from you if you want anything delivered to your family members. What a postman, right? That's just, what a good dude. It wasn't even about about his own stuff. It was just like, hey, I'm going on an, on an adventure. Do you want to, you know, do you need me to do anything while I'm on my way? I love that. Me too. And so this, nerdlings, takes us to William Marching from Chattanooga, Tennessee, to Jackson, Mississippi, to hand-deliver his letter to the governor. He had made a sign from cardboard that had the words, quote, equal rights for all and Mississippi or bust written on it. On William's march, the day of April 23rd, 1963, he was on a long stretch of rural highway known as U.S. Highway 11. U.S. Highway 11 was a rural two-lane road within Alabama state lines. Earlier that day, William Moore had held a discussion with a white grocery store owner by the name of Floyd Simpson, who was curious as to what William's goals were for his protest. Moore had walked into the store that day looking for a snack for his daily travels, and Simpson was working the register. Floyd Simpson was an unassuming man. He was known as a quiet high school dropout. William, in his passion for equality, had explained to the store owner, which was Floyd Simpson, his views on equality. He then left and went about continuing his peaceful march down the highway. Many witnesses to the exchange between Floyd Simpson and William Moore, however, 
did say that Simpson was agitated by the exchange and by Moore's beliefs. It was also alleged that Simpson and a friend of his later drove down the highway in order to catch up with William Moore and to discuss his views further. Simpson drove his friend down the road and spoke with Moore and then returned back to town. Later that day, William Moore was continuing his peaceful march down U.S. Highway 11 when he was stopped and interviewed by a local reporter by the name of Charlie Hicks. Charlie Hicks was from a local radio station, WGAD, in Gadsden, Alabama. William was quoted as saying, quote, I intend to walk right up to the governor's mansion in Mississippi and ring his doorbell. Then I'll hand him my letter, unquote. William was more than happy to share his message about what he was striving to do. The reporter was concerned for William's safety, as, remember, this is the South during the 1960s, and tensions regarding race were at a breaking point. Hicks, the reporter, who had just interviewed William Moore, offered to give him a lift to the governor's mansion, but William refused the offer. Unfortunately for William, the reporter's concern and fear for William Moore's safety came to fruition. William Moore's body was found roughly an hour later, about a mile further down the road from where he had conducted his interview with Hicks. He was found by a passing motorist named Willis Elrod. In an article conducted by the Los Angeles Times, Elrod was interviewed and stated that he spotted a motionless form lying on the side of the road as he was driving by. That was when Elrod turned his vehicle around and scanned the roadside until he could find the form again with his headlights. Elrod is quoted by the Los Angeles Times as saying, quote, I was concerned, curious, whatever. I went back to see if I could do anything, unquote. Elrod found the prone body of William Moore lying face down with his head turned to the side and his feet were shoeless. Elrod soon realized the young man was dead, and he assumed it was from a hit and run, seeing as the man was lying on the side of the road. Elrod drove to a nearby farmhouse, which was home to a man named Harry Sizemore. While there, Elrod asked Sizemore to call local authorities, and after making the call, the two men drove back to where the body lay. It was then that the two men inspected the body that Sizemore realized that this wasn't a hit and run, but instead, the man looked to have suffered a gunshot wound. He found a small hole above William's left eyebrow, and then a second hole on the left side of William's throat. William was shot twice in the head. He was shot at close range with what looked to have been a 22 caliber rifle. Within half an hour of arriving at the crime scene, police were able to identify the body of William L. Moore. Authorities were able to trace the gun back to no other than the white store owner named Floyd Simpson, and it was later alleged that Floyd was in fact a member of the Ku Klux Klan. When police were able to track the bullets to Simpson via ballistics reports, local sediments within the communities during this time weren't empathetic to civil rights activists and anti-segregationists. Authorities knew that they would be hard-pressed to actually get a conviction of Floyd Simpson in the shooting of William Moore. Sure enough, they were right. Five months after William Moore's murder, the Etowah County Grand Jury decided that there just wasn't enough evidence to prove that Floyd Simpson had in fact shot and murdered William Moore. Floyd was never charged with the murder of William Moore. He passed away in 2006, taking his secrets about what happened to William Moore that day to his grave. And to this day, William Moore's murder remains unsolved. William Moore left behind a young widowed wife named Mary, as well as a legacy within the civil rights movement. 
Many decades after William Moore walked his last strides down a lonesome highway in rural Alabama to deliver his letters to the governor, his unfinished journey inspired others. Ellen Johnson of Stanhope, New Jersey, decided to keep William's memory alive and to finish his journey that was cut short all too soon. In 2008, she and a friend, Ken Lukanen, sent out to finish his peaceful protests and deliver his letters. She obtained copies of Moore's letters from his widow, and on the 45th anniversary of William Moore's death, she and several others finished the delivery, beginning on that spot where William Moore's journey ended, and they continued on down that lonesome highway to pick up where he left off. They were unable to deliver William's letters as the governor at the time, Haley Barber, wouldn't take time to accept the letters, but Johnson and her friend felt like they had completed at least some of William Moore's quest that led him to his demise. Aw, I like that. I know. I, I like, I like, my body is just filled with goosebumps. Yeah, I had that too. I, I, I love that they did the right thing. They definitely led by William's example for sure. Yeah, I cannot believe that in 2008, yeah, 2008, when this peaceful protest was happening to deliver William Moore's letters, that the the governor didn't even have the time to accept those letters. That just right. That just shows you how backwards things are it going. Still is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like this was a long time ago. He couldn't make time to accept the letter from a civil rights protester who was murdered. Murdered for standing up and utilizing his First Amendment rights. The governor couldn't make time for that. Blows my mind. How do you not make time for that? How do you not make time for anyone who who did what William Moore did or what other freedom fighters or other protesters were saying? How do you not make time for that? That that should affect you. As a human, that should affect you. Yeah. And I'm sure it was widely publicized as well. And Oh, I'm I, sure. I hope that that governor at the time got some backlash for that because I mean, 45th anniversary. Like yeah. Come on. yeah, like come on. And and this guy, he was murdered. It I know I've said that multiple times, but he was murdered while he was doing the right thing. He wasn't hurting anybody. He wasn't he wasn't rioting. He wasn't whatever. He literally was walking on a street trying to bring a letter to the governor to try and end segregation. He had a sign on his chest. That's all he had. And this man was murdered. There's no words for for what happened to him. No words. Yeah, it's just so awful. It's horrible. And this is still happening today. Like things are very backwards, like I said before. And we can only just hope. We can hope that things will get better. It just really sucks that Floyd Simpson was not charged because to me, he was definitely a person. Yeah. That's the part that I don't understand. There was so much, so much evidence on Floyd Simpson. And there were witness statements that very much show a timeline here where William had gone into the store. Floyd didn't like his sign. Floyd starts asking questions, trying to figure out what, what William's about. Then when William's like, okay, done having this conversation with you, see ya, goes down the street. And then we've got Floyd chasing him down with his friend to ask him more questions that tells you everything you need to know. Obviously, Floyd Simpson was agitated about what was happening that day. 
Yeah. And I mean, he's alleged to be a Ku Klux Klan member as well. Yeah. And I mean, it was pretty, not really even alleged. He, he was one. I, I found in several articles that he was referenced as a, as a, a KKK member. Yeah. So to me, that is a, yeah. that speaks the truth right there. Um, especially the fact that he not only was William just coming in for snacks for his long, long walk. Yeah. And he, William has freedom of speech. Like, he can say whatever he, he wants. Yeah, um, he's practicing his First Amendment right. You may not like it, but it's his First Amendment right. Yeah, and the fact that he just went and he chased him down, like... Gunned him down. Yeah, chased him first and then what came oh, back yeah. and gunned him. Yeah, that is just... And yeah, it, it's, they traced it back to his gun, like... Yeah, come on. What more do you come need? Come on. What more do you need? And it's very apparent that in the town, this wasn't ever going to get treated seriously this the, it wasn't what was one more one more protester to them it, they didn't want to deal with it they didn't believe in in it or in you know equality they they wanted to uphold their their beliefs they wanted to keep it going so to them someone like william william moore upset that balance and they didn't really you know the police were investigated but no one wanted to really upset the community, which at that time was pro-segregation. Yeah, I feel like people just really didn't want to step on other people's toes. Like, mm-hmm. Floyd Simpson was a store owner, so mm-hmm. if you probably step on his toes, oh, no, you can't right. come buy your groceries here anymore. You have to go somewhere else. Oh, right. I'm the only person in town that has this? That's too bad. You went against me. Yeah, and it's funny because he never he took it to his grave, so no one will ever know if he really did it or not. I, I personally, I think he did. I, I definitely think he did. And he didn't tell anybody if he did or not. So yeah, I don't think William Moore's killer will ever be conclusive, if that makes sense. I, I don't think Floyd is listed in the FBI list as the number one suspect. To this day, he is considered the, the primary suspect and most likely the killer. But unfortunately, I don't think it'll ever be definitively put as, as Floyd because he died. And unfortunately, at the time, they didn't try. They didn't charge him. So, yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, it's back then in the 60s. I'm pretty sure they don't didn't have gunpowder analysis type situations. Um, I think it was all very new in its infancy. I don't even I I don't know if they had that far. I'm not sure on that. That's a good question. Yeah. And I'm sure in this case. Since William Moore was somebody that stood out, he was probably mm-hmm. considered a loony. So if uh, local authorities are like, oh, wow, someone finally got the loony, you know what I mean? I right. I really don't think that they looked into this at no, all. No, I don't think so all. either. I, I think that this was kind of just swept under the rug and no one wanted to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Is the honest answer. We saw that a lot back then, especially in these type of situations during the civil rights movement. Yeah, exactly. I mean, personally, I, I always wonder if history is kind of doomed to re- to repeat itself, especially in situations like this. You know, we see it time and time and again, and it's like, when as humans are we just going to learn? When are we going to stop doing this? When are we going to stop treating others as less than human? Why can't we just get past that? Uh, it's something I'll never understand. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever. <laughs> yeah, we'll never understand it. It's no. 
uh, there's just so many humans in the world that you can't possibly get everybody on the same yeah. same uh, mindset, which is unfortunate. Maybe one day. That's what I keep thinking. I'm like, maybe one day we'll all be able to look at each other and not see a color of skin. Maybe one day. Yeah. Yeah. Or religion or gender identity or any of those things. Because we're all human. That's what it comes down to. We're all just human. One thing I thought was really sweet was that a plaque was actually placed in April of last year, which was in order to commemorate William Moore's peaceful protest. And it's actually at the marker where he was murdered. And I thought that was really, really sweet. That is really sweet. And that, I mean, that plaque kind of shows how far we've come, you know? Yeah. The the governor may not have had the time to take William's letters in 2008, but at least we've come to the fact that we can have a plaque there. And right. I, I can picture the plaque. I'm sure it's like the ones that I've... Yeah. That I've usually really... seen they have a little blurb about William, mm-hmm. but that is so awesome. And hopefully the more people that talk about and remember William more, hopefully we can see his memory and his legacy live on because this man did have a legacy. He died doing the right thing. He he literally died for his beliefs and his goals for racial equality. You know, after the recent events of of this year in 2020, I'm really hoping that when it comes to racial equality, we would kind of will see William Moore's name brought back into that light and added to history books and and lessons taught about him. Because I know it's unpleasant to talk about the fact that a man was murdered for using his, you know, First Amendment rights and for standing up for for others. He was murdered. I hope that in the future we can start talking about the having these difficult conversations in school with children because they're never going to learn and they're never going we're never going to see those changes if we just keep pretending that this stuff doesn't happen exactly because i mean racism is a learned thing you don't it just is. be born being a racist it's something right. that's learned so yeah that's something that definitely needs to be Put in school systems, just taught talk at home. About more. Ta- yeah, taught at home. We don't talk about it. We act like it's not a thing or, oh no, we couldn't possibly, you know, it's 2020. We don't have racism. Well, this was 1963. We did. This is 2020 and we're still having the same issues. These stories are similar. They're very similar in 50 years. So yeah, I think we do need to talk about these things, you know? Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree. It needs to happen needs to happen. We're never going to get past this unless we do. Like we said, William Moore died doing the right thing. He is an American citizen and he utilized his right to peaceful assembly, which is something that we all as Americans should be so honored to have as a right. People die for that right every single day and do not have that. And the fact that he was murdered for exercising his is heartbreaking. And so the memory of William Moore, it should live on just as the memory of every single person who has been murdered due to their race, their beliefs, their religion, or for just protesting for basic human rights that should be afforded to each individual person in this world. I know I said it earlier, but we are all humans. And at the end of the day, that's what should matter, not anything else. We are all equal humans. And with that, nerdlings, we conclude the, quote, unsolved 
murder of William Moore, a civil rights activist who died trying to change the world for the better, keep William's memory alive by continuing to fight for injustices and for advocating for change in our world. Don't stop having those conversations. Have them. We should never sit complacent when we know that crimes against humanity are occurring. Until next time, you crime-loving nerds. And if you liked this episode or any of our others, please hit that subscribe button. And feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast subscriber. You can also hit us up on our Instagram at CrimeTimeNerds or check out our case notes at CrimeTimeNerds.com where we post references and photos of all of our cases. We also have a Twitter account, which is at CrimeTimeNerds and an email you can reach us at, which is CrimeTimeNerds at gmail.com. We will catch you next time, you crime-loving nerdlings.